on LBC. Three minutes after twelve is the time you are listening to. Well, mystery, as like the man just said, on LBC with me, James O'Brien. If you're new to this, I should probably give you a quick heads up on how it works. If you're not new to this, then you need to start uh, taking your notes on whether or not I keep my promises. What are the promises that we make every week at 12 noon? Well, the first is that by one o'clock today, you'll know more than you do now. I don't think we've ever broken that promise, although I have to stress on a weekly basis that it may not be information or knowledge that you're grateful for or find in any way remotely useful. It's just the sum total of your knowledge that will increase if you stay tuned to LBC for the duration of Mystery Hour. The second promise that we make, and I've never had any complaints about this one being broken either, is that you will get a belly laugh. You will laugh at loud, out loud. At least once before the hour is over. 03456060973 is the number you need to get in touch with your question. If you hear somebody else ask a question to which you do happen to know the answer, then the number remains the same. You have to ring in and provide it. We will ask whether or not uh, we'll inquire after your qualifications, and if we find them satisfactory, we will go definitive, at which point you will receive... A gold-plated mystery hour round of applause. Well, I think that's pretty much it. So the way it goes is this. You can ask anything you want, but it, it has to be a question which other people are likely to be interested in the answer to. So w- w- there's a roundabout near my house, James, and I don't know where the road you're not allowed to drive down leads. That's unlikely to get on air. It's the dullness quotient. Uh, we, I'm afraid the management's decision is final on this. If we think it's dull, it's dull. So be polite and move along. The only other area in which you will not be invited to ask your question on air is repetition, but I'm dealing with very new colleagues at the moment on, on Mystery Hour, so repetition lands almost entirely on my lap, and I'm rubbish. My short-term memory shot to pieces. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast, so the likelihood of me being supremely confident when it comes to repetition is pretty low. You can, however, help me by going to lbc.co.uk and looking at the... Um, Archive, the Mystery Hour archive, and you'll be able to find out from there whether or not the question you're thinking of asking has already been satisfactorily answered. You can tell that the uh, standards are slipping slightly on the repetition rule because pretty much once a week now, the qualification somebody offers up for knowing the answer to a question that they've successfully dealt with is that they have heard it previously on Mystery Hour. It makes my blood curdle every time I hear that qualification cited, but it's my own fault isn't it? So I can barely complain. It does, however, merit repetition that you can find out at the LBC website, a lovely and very diverting and amusing digest of all the questions that we've dealt with in the past. It's six minutes after 12. Just before we crack on with Mystery Hour proper, I should tell you that if you follow me on Twitter, at Mr. James OB, um, you will see, I think the last thing I sent out actually, is a link to the fundraising page for Sonia's baby son who, who died three weeks ago. Sonia, the very first caller of the day today, who made quite a profound impression upon everybody who heard her, so much so that people were asking whether or not they could show their support in, in, a, in a material way, and there is a fundraising uh, uh, campaign underway. Uh, Sonia and I, I imagine this is her husband in memory of her son, Dion. And if you follow me on Twitter, you can see the last thing that's come out of my account 48 minutes ago is, is a link to that crowdfunding Just Giving page. Seven minutes after 12 is the time. Shall we get... No, I can't say that. I'm 44 years old. I was about to say, shall we get this party started? Yeah. Good job I didn't. Lewis is in Surbiton. Lewis, question or answer? I've got a question, James. Carry on, Lewis. A, I, I, I know you... I'm scared you're going to find this dull, James, but it's something oh. I've wanted to know for God knows how it's long. Not my, it's not my... I don't do the dull. I don't do the dull. Car, Car, Caroline and Megan do the dull, and they've decided that you're not dull. I don't know whether or not they're going oh, to that's... regret that, but I'm not <laughs> going to give you a hard James. time. What? Shall I just crack on? Shall I crack on with it? Are you, are you suggesting that I'm waffling? 
No, you're not. You never waffle, James. No. All of your, your speech is just pure wisdom and brilliance. <laughs> Anyways, my question is, um, all of my toiletries, all my things like my shampoo, my shower gel, I think even hair gel has this as well. On the back of every single bottle of these is a little circular box that says 12M. What does that mean? Now, are, you, are you sure you've checked enough bottles? Because if you've checked lots and lots of bottles, this is quite interesting. I'm walking into my bathroom now. Yeah, Let's whoa. Have a look. All right, steady original, on. It's original eight minutes after 12. It's a family program. I don't know how much we commentary we want <laughs> on this. Mm. Nice, all of them say it, James. Nice shower curtain. <laughs> all of them say it. So they've all got 12M on them in a little box. It's a little, like a round, it's a round box with a lid open, and on the box it just says 12M. I've just, every single one of these is saying it. Do you use so particularly high-end grooming products? These are, they're lovely, of course. I, I, I use only the best things to clean myself, James. Yes. Only the highest quality. I can tell, I can tell. Your, your fragrance is unmistakable even over the telephone right so what does the little 12m box mean on all of lewis's uh what do we call them it used to be a we call them smellies didn't toiletries. We? toiletries toiletries all of lewis's toilet lewis's toiletries that's what we will say on the itunes description of this hour's mystery hour it's, it's available for free on itunes i should add as is the best of the program which we've only been doing for a few weeks but it's proving very very popular and hopefully when caroline comes to put it together she'll put lewis's toiletries the mystery of lewis's toiletries will be the title of this week's mystery hour you're on. That'd be brilliant. Thank you, James. No, thank you. What's the 12M on Lewis's toiletries? 03456060973 is the number you need. Alex is in. Ah, oh, this is hilarious. Lewis, are you still there? I am. I am, James. In your bathroom, have you got a bath, or, or are you, like a lot of Londoners, confined just to a shower? No, I've got. In fact, I'm the opposite. I've got a bath with a shower that's rubbish. So you are now practically in the bath? No, but practically, because you went into the bathroom, so just look, I'm doing a joke here. So you are practically in the bath. Yes, I am, James. Yes, I'm practically in the bath. Okay, hold on to your hats, people. Hold on to your hats, comedy fans. We go now from Lewis, who is practically in the bath, to Alex, who is in bath. Hello, Alex. (laughs) Hello, James. Thank you for that polite but entirely forced (laughs) chuckle. Do you have a question or an answer for me? I do have a question. Carry on. Why is it that when you're on a, on a roller coaster or maybe driving really fast downhill, why do you get that stomach drop feeling? Oh, I love that. We must have done this before, but I can't remember the answer, so we'll jolly well do it again. I love that. You get it on a on a humpback bridge as well and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's as if your tummy has moved slower than the rest of your body. Well, it might be part of the answer. Yeah, because I, I wasn't sure that you actually had, like, nerve endings there, so... I'm not sure what that feeling is to begin with. If you can get pain there, you've got nerve endings there. But why? Why? Oh, why yeah. What it explains? You get it. Is it the same as you know when you're just nodding off to sleep sometimes and you you you, you sort of fall? It's a bit. It's not the same as that, is it? That's a different sensation. That's, yeah. You know what I mean? You you sort of stumble yeah, and you, yeah. you jar yourself awake. Someone told me that's that's a throwback to the days when we used to sleep in trees and it stops you falling out. Wow, okay. But they were probably lying. I'll try and get you an answer about the stomach drop feeling, I, I, I promise. And Lewis's toiletries. The bath to, to bath. You see, yeah? Yeah? No? Oh. Martin's in Bexley Heath. Martin, question or answer? Hi, James, I've got a question. Go on, then. What is the most expensive metal that doesn't need a hallmark? Because you go down the jewellers and you buy a ring, it's got a little hallmark on it. Yeah. You go down the hardware store, you buy a piece of copper... Is it really copper? Is it mixed with other stuff? Is it pure copper? I don't know. So, you know, ha- what is the guarantee of least expensive metals being 
up to scratch. Being what they are. How do they police it? How do they... How yeah, do they... I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's a bunch of questions here, though. I mean, we need to focus on one. So what is the oh. most expensive metal that doesn't need a hallmark? It's not the same yeah. as. How do they How do they qualify the purity of cheaper metals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've got to pick just, one. The most expensive metal that doesn't need a hallmark, you can just go and buy it by the tonne and you take it for granted it's what they say it is. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 go on then. Because you're right, aren't you? Who's yeah. to say you buy copper piping? Who's to say it's yeah. actually top top quality copper? Well, I don't know what else. Rock quicker than copper, you yeah. know? I don't yeah. know. You're on. I like. Why do you want to know? Okay. What have you got planned? I was just interested. I was watching yeah. a program the other day, and they was like saying about hallmarks. It's like one of them antique shows. And I'm just thinking about well, at what point do they stop putting hallmarks on things? And now we want to know. At what point? Yeah. That, well, that's how we'll do the question. At what point yeah. do they start putting hallmarks on things? That's it. So at what point in the in the periodic table or the metallic elements within it do we start putting hallmarks on things? You put a hallmark on platinum, but there'll be some really weird metallic elements that are even rarer, won't they, that probably don't? I don't know. I'm thinking out loud. Martin, great stuff. So we've got the metal and Lewis's toiletries. Everyone knows the answer to that except Lewis and me, it would seem. I've been absolutely bombarded with answers. Don't bother texting or emailing because I, I never read them out. Uh, but it was quite obvious, actually, once you've had it explained to you. 0345 is the number that you need. Can we get an answer to that one up early? So that Because I think you're gonna, otherwise you're just going to be dealing with phone calls on that endlessly. Everybody knows except Lewis and me. Everybody. Seriously, Lewis and me are the only people on the planet who couldn't work out for ourselves what that 12M on his toiletries meant. David is in Finchley. David, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, David. OK, two weeks ago I read in the paper that a panda bear which weighs about the weight of a female panda of a male, of a human male, gave birth to a cub. And yes. this cub weighed five ounces. Yes. And I couldn't get my head around how a human child is three, two, three kilos, seven pounds, and this panda bear cub is only five ounces. Right. So what's the question? The question is, why is a human uh, baby give, born weighing six or seven pounds where the parent is the same sort of weight as a panda, and a panda bear, fully developed, cub is only five ounces. Well, it'll just be evolution, won't it? it well, I mean, off the top of my head, presumably it's quite hard to protect a panda cub in the wild from predators, so they, 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 they don't necessarily predate themselves, do they? They live on bamboo shoots, but I imagine that it's a hell of a lot easier to protect a five-ounce panda until it's big enough to protect itself than it would be to protect a two- to three-kilo-sized panda. So, historically, going back through the millennia, as the panda evolved, the likelihood of the baby surviving was increased by the baby being small, whereas for humans, the opposite would be true. But a five-ounce five weight, you would have thought, would make that cub pretty defenceless. No, but it's a heck of a lot easier for the mum to protect it, though. Right. And to hide um, it. Is, is that a definitive answer? Well, unless you... I mean, th this is what science is. You provide the best available explanation for all of the available evidence. That's the paradigm, isn't it? I think that's... Well, paradigm. I wondered if you'd put it out there and just see... No, if mate, that's just... just is, uh, what's the point of me treating you to the benefits of my genius if you're just going to want to, in your words, put it out there? <laughs> I'm not doubting you in any way, James. Doesn't just, but... doesn't just come out... Free. This is hard. This is the fruits of years of... <laughs> 
Five ounces is less than a bag of sugar. Well, I mean, this is like... But think about it, the evolutionary explanation for almost everything associated with mammalian birth is survival. And, and okay. it, it seems highly likely to me that looking after a five-ounce baby panda and protecting it from predators is a hell of a lot easier, unless it's got kung fu skills, is a hell of a lot easier than protecting a two to three kilo defenseless I'm very tempted I'm very 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 tempted to take a round of applause but <laughs> only tempted so I've got half a chance I'm very tempted actually very very, tempted, very tempted. not completely tempted. no not completely I have not succumbed to temptation yet thank you oh well that gives me that gives me hope <laughs> I, I tell you what I'm going to leave I'm going to leave it on the board but if right. I turn out to be right, right, you have to send me a postal order for £2.75 by close of play today. That's a deal. Right, you're on. Well, thank you very no, much. No, thank man. you. Time for the travel news. It's 12.16. This is LBC. LBC. 20 minutes after 12 is the time. Let's get this one out of the way early. Uh, questions that still need answers. Why is a baby panda so small compared to a human baby? Uh, what's the most precious metal that doesn't get a hallmark? What, what's the point at which metals become hallmarked? And what's the explanation for the stomach drop sensation we get when we're on a roller coaster or going over a humpback bridge? I'm hoping Naomi and Guildford is here to answer Lewis's question because I think Lewis and me are the only people in the world who don't know what the little box with a 12M on it <laughs> on a shampoo bottle means. And, you know, now someone has actually sent me a picture of that little graphic. I'm going to take myself out of that gang and leave Lewis all alone. I could have worked that out for myself. Is that what you're here for, Naomi? Hello, yes, I am. Carry on. It is the expiration of the product. So once it's open, that's how long it will last before. So 12 months after opening it is the use-by date. Yeah. And, and it actually looks like a little pot with an open lid with 12M written on it. I can't believe Lewis wasted all of our time by asking this question. What, what are your qualifications, Naomi? Uh, using billion and one different cosmetics, but um, just actually having a couple of friends who have been on cosmetic counters when I bought products historically. So. Can't say fairer than that. I've worked on cosmetic counters as well, believe it or not. Round of applause for Naomi. That's the first one of the day. No, thank you. It is 12.21. Nick is in Hertfordshire. Nick, question or answer? It's a question, James. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you. Uh, it? It's um, MI5 and MI6. Yes. The, um, is there a 1, 2, 3 and 4? Why is it 5? Why is it 6? And what does the MI stand for? Military intelligence. And they're the separate departments. That's what I, I guess that bit. But why do you ask it then? It's 5 and 6. Well, because they were it's set the up... 5 and the 6. They were set up chronologically. So 5 is domestic and 6 is international. So what happened to 1, 2, 3 and 4? Uh, they got superseded. Or they got uh, uh, absorbed into MI, MIS 5 and 6. They might still exist. Is but right? they'd, 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 they'd have had specific purposes that maybe no longer exist like i don't know infiltrating nazi germany or something like that is there a seven mi7 i can't answer yeah. that question nick under the terms of of, of my latest contract <laughs> there may be there What's may the not be there may be that well i can't answer that either obviously well i could <laughs> but i would genuinely have to kill you james yes no one likes a clever dick <laughs> this is very true nick <laughs> is, but, it, is that definitive yeah it is it's, and, and to be fair, it, it, it doesn't involve much clever dickishness, actually. It, 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 it's fairly widely known. Okay. <laughs> Not in Hertfordshire, it isn't. <laughs> I think you'll find it is. You could probably have asked anybody. <laughs> Are you in the car at the moment? I am. You, co you probably could have just opened the window, leant out, and asked whoever was walking past. Especially the bit about what does MI stand for. Have you ever watched a James Bond film? 
I have one or two. Anyway, at least he got me this. The clap. Thank you. Peter is in Brighton. Um, question or answer, Peter? It's a question, James. Carry on. Memory sticks, we all use them. I use them a lot. Do they have a lifespan? And if so, how do you know when they're about to die? I think there's a little pot stuck on the side of it with 12M written on it, isn't there? Oh. Sorry. No, uh, so you, you, you mean in terms of perishing or, 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 or yeah. decomposing, because you think of it as being permanent, and, and of course it may not be. I don't use memory sticks, oddly. I don't, I don't do enough of that kind of work really anymore, but the idea of it being your archive is, is presumed, isn't it? You presume it's permanent. Well, that's the question. If you keep it safe and dry, will a memory stick last forever? There you go. Yeah, yeah. you're on. I like it. Why do you want to know? Are, are, you, are you worrying about having to transfer all of your autobiography onto another, onto a new memory stick? That and several other documents. I do keep, because I move around from computers and different workplaces, I do keep my own records and some copies of some emails, because if you move between businesses... You can't take the whole, you know, no, cloud or drive with you. And, um, yeah, it's just good to keep a record. Yeah, no, and, you're um, on. Well, I like it. And, uh, I mean, everybody's going to have stuff on memory sticks. And uh, if, if it can get corrupted or perish, then I think we all need to know. 25 after 12, Peter, I shall do my best for you. 0345 is the number to call. Mercury would have been the best metal to come up with, wouldn't it, on that question about hallmarks? Obviously, you can't put a hallmark on a liquid. Or you certainly would struggle. But but what is the rule? What what metals get a hallmark? How is it decided? And where's the cutoff point? The description of why your stomach feels like it's falling out of your belly sometimes when you go over a, a humpback bridge or a roller coaster. The memory sticks and the baby pandas. Something for everybody today. Where are we going next? Shall we go to David in Golders Green? I think we will. David, question or answer? Hello, James. It's an answer for you. Carry on. Uh, Yes, in answer to your tummy falling out question. Go on then. Uh, yeah, so the reason why you get that feeling when you go over a roller coaster or over a bridge or something like that is because it's a small release of adrenaline in your body. And just to answer a second question as well, that's part of the same thing really. The reason why they call it butterflies in your stomach is because your adrenal glands, which are on top of your kidneys, are butterfly shaped. But why? What? <laughs> Why? Sorry, I may have misunderstood you because you you don't know it's going to happen, so you haven't got the dra- I mean, on a roller coaster maybe, but a humpback bridge takes you by surprise. You you go over a humpback bridge and you're why the adrenaline gets released because it comes back to your fight or flight mechanism, which is sort of governed by adrenaline. When you get adrenaline, you can either fight or flight, and that's what happens. So it's the shock of the sudden fall that brings the adrenaline subconsciously to the fore. Yes, exactly. It's, an ev- uh. it's, it's sort of like an evolutionary thing because when you get that. Your body's automatic, um, your, or where you perceive a situation is, you can either fight or flight. So that release of adrenaline is what gives you that feeling. And that's why when you get a release of adrenaline, you feel it in your sort of stomach and around your kidneys because your adrenal glands are on top of your kidneys. No, I get that. I just was confused about how you could have adrenaline without having had a stimulus to release it. But the stimulus is the sudden drop because that is exactly. evolutionary. That's like you're falling out of a tree. Exactly. I like this. What are your qualifications? Um, well, I studied biomedical science. That helps. Yeah, that'll do. That's fine. Don't, don't, don't sound so humble about it. That's fantastic. To what level did you study it? Um, well, I got a degree. It's a two-one. So I'll That's take that. mate, flipping. Come on, pick yourself up a bit. You got a two-one in biomedical science, and you sound a bit like. I hope you take this as the compliment that it's intended. You sound a bit like a a more youthful and handsome Doctor Hal, Professor Hal, even. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 take that. Yeah, good. You're on. Round of applause for David.
Thank you. Thank you. Martin is in Blackheath. Martin, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, please. Carry on. Um, why do children open their mouths when they're trying to catch something? It's not just children, is it? It's, it's, you'd probably do it when you're trying to thread a needle as well. No, I stick my tongue out. Same thing. <laughs> it is. It is I, I, oh, come on, give me a second. Keep, keep them entertained. I know the answer to this. I'm just trying to drag it out from the depths of my... It's to do with concentration. And if you are... I thought it was something to do with hand-to-mouth, but... Um... No, it's concentrate. It's easier to concentrate when your mouth is open. I don't know why. Mm, I don't find that. I think it's embarrassing. Oh, I, don't care. I don't care what you think. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing in facts and truths here, not, not in opinions and conjecture. <laughs> this is science, live on the radio. I, I can't remember, mate. I'll try and find out for you. So it, it is the same thing as sticking your tongue out when, uh, when you're threading it, because it's the same principle. If you look at, closely at those child, children catching balls, they've probably got their tongue stuck out as well. No, my daughter didn't yesterday when I was playing catching. Yeah, you weren't looking closely enough. You were too busy looking at the ball. No, I was throwing the ball at her and watching her... No, 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 don't argue with me. There's every possibility that she had her tongue stuck out at some point during the ball's trajectory. But, <laughs> and, and how do we know that all children do it, not just your daughter? How much research have you done before you asked this question on the radio? Uh, not that much, but I've, uh, I've seen it before. It's one no child much. catching one ball. Does not, that's not grounds for a scientific inquiry. Well, you've never seen it yourself? God, I don't think I have, no, actually. Well, you should play with your daughters more. I do play with them all the time, but I'm too busy following the ball's trajectory to, to, to be checking whether their mouths are open or not. Well, let's see what else... Uh, let's see what we can find. Let's see what yeah. we can find. Why do children open their mouths when catching the ball? It's not just children. Throw me a ball. There you go. Mouth was open. 29 minutes after 12 is the time. Professor Hall will be up first after the news. That's the old version of Professor Howell, not David in Golders Green, the handsome, youthful version of Professor Howell with very similar intonation and a similar sort of authority as well in explaining scientific matters. The number you need if you want to get involved in this is, well, I'll tell you when I've actually got some phone lines free. Questions that still need answers. Do memory sticks, can memory sticks perish? Why are baby pandas so small? What metals uh, merit hallmarks? And why do children open their mouths when catching a ball. It's half past 12. Here's Rupert Bartia with the headlines. Greece's defence minister says the... Ms. O'Brien on LBC. 33 minutes after 12 is the time. Uh, which metals have hallmarks? What are the criteria for hallmarking metals? Why are baby pandas so tiny compared to human babies? I, I think I got that right, but the questioner, David, I think was... Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. He was quite rude. Quite rude and gloriously unimpressed. Uh, do memory sticks fail? Do they corrupt? And why do children open their mouths when they're catching a ball? Professor Hall is here, the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. And I have to say that I am not going to be able to guess which question it is you've rung up to answer this week, Hal. Um, James, my heart's breaking. Did, did I catch it right? Is there a young pretender? Is someone passing themselves off as Professor Howe? No, it was David in Golders Green. Very nice, charming young man. He's just been in touch with me via Twitter, uh, and he just had a similar intonation to you, but he sounded younger and okay. a bit better looking. That was all. Okay, all right. Um, metals. Ah, oh, <clears throat> metals. very close to my heart. Of course. Well, have you got a pacemaker? <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Um, I recommend a book called The Disappearing Spoon by Sam Keane, which is a book I wish I'd written. Oh. Um, it really is a lovely discourse of how the metals came to be and some um, delightful stories, some not so delightful. Sure. But in terms of hallmarking and where 
precious metals that aren't hawkmarked. I'm going for rhodium, tantalum, and niobium, and also promethium. Tantalum and niobium in particular, they got very, very expensive as soon as mobile phones started becoming the vogue. And they were part of the genocide in Rwanda, because Rwanda's got the biggest... um, reserves yes. of coltan which is the ore for those things and Agreed. there's one thing that countries can't tolerate is is, is weak government with a huge resource that's sure. almost dead cert for civil war but there was a really interesting story about 10 years ago because hallmark is associated with value where rhodium made gold look cl- clammy demonas like in terms of its price gold was 700 dollars per, per ounce whereas rhodium was ten thousand dollars an ounce and um Commodity metals, which are used in industry, which is where all these other ones are used, they can't have a hallmark because they're melted and they're used as various um, components. And things which tend to be either jewellery or a store of value, like the noble metals in the periodic table, that's platinum, palladium, gold, and if you really want to, silver, um, they tend to have a hallmark because they are assayed um, and hallmarked appropriately. So I hope that covers some, if not all, of the question. I think it does. I, I mean, the, the, maybe this question doesn't work, but what, what is the most precious? So there are some metals more precious than gold that don't get hallmarked. Well, the thing about it is they're all commodities, so they go up yes. and down in price with oh. demand. So sometimes they overtake gold and sometimes they don't. Last time I checked, and I did for one of my lectures, I think it was iridium was the closest one because that's used in satellite phones. Yes. Um, and rhodium had gone down a bit, but they do uh, routinely overtake gold. Gold's so the only stuff that gets hallmarked is the stuff that gets turned into jewellery? Or used as a store of value. So stuck in Fort Knox, yes. or exists in bars, which is, okay, that, that over there is a, is a kilo of palladium or, or, or platinum. Things that are used as commodities that are demanded. So it's only valuable because of what you can do with it. It's not valuable in and yes. of itself. So the mobile phone stuff only became valuable when mobile phones massively ramped up the demand for it. Well, also Tantalum, before they found that stuff in Rwanda, it's named after Tantalus. I'm sure you know who Tantalus was. I do. He was a god they put in the rib. Okay, do you want the story? Yeah, no, go on. Just remind us. Um, He he executed his own son and served him up to Jupiter. And as a punishment, he was put in a river. And every time he bent down to drink, the river would fall away. And every time he reached up to pick an apple from the tree above him, it would move away. Hence the word tantalising. Yes. No, I didn't. I was. I would have got that wrong actually if you'd put me on the spot. So I'm glad that I just pretended I knew it and then let you tell everybody so that I can just go. Yeah, of course, everyone knows that. Okay, um, it's right. a nice little story. Great work. Great. No, great. And this is why you're so good at what you do. And you recommend the book, The Disappearing Spoon. I, I meant to recommend a book for Mystery Our Fans the other day, which is all about the history of national anthems, but I've forgotten what it's called. It got sent to me. It's really, really interesting. Really interesting. The Marseillaise in particular is a fascinating story. But anyway, that's for another day. Would you like another round of applause, Professor Hal? That, that each one is more valuable than the last. That's the right answer. Peter is on the Old Kent Road. Peter, follow that fascinating insight into the world of metallurgy and uh, science in general with a really powerful question, please. Well, I'd like to know, you know the cranes, do they have toilets up there? Because it must take the crane driver at least 10 or 15 minutes to get up there, and then if he wants to go to the toilet, do they have toilets up on there? No, they don't. They don't know. They don't have toilets. They don't have toilets. Chemical toilets up there? I mean, they 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 could take a chemical toilet up there if they wanted. They generally don't. They go before they go up, and then if they need to do a wee, they do it in a bottle. Oh, well, I just wanted to know. It's always always. um, And now you do. Now you do know. Okay then. We we went through a phase. We went through a phase on the program of of speaking to a lot of tower crane 
operators. In fact, some, some of them are among my favourite listeners ever, and, and this may well have been one of the earliest questions on Mystery Hour that I can remember answering, they, they, because a tower crane operator rang in. There, there are no toilets up the tower cranes. For one quite obvious reason, Peter, if you'd stop to think about it, I know you mentioned a chemical toilet as a possibility, but the plumbing would be a problem, wouldn't it, for a more traditional Kazi? Well, they might have pipes going down the, the, the crane, innit? They, they, they might, but you probably would have seen them. This just always intrigued me. Well, no, let it intrigue you no longer, Peter. <laughs> Your question well, is asked. Thank you very much. No, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Tanya's in Staines. Tanya, question or answer? I have a question, please, James. Carry on, Tanya. Okay, um, you're probably going to know this answer to this. I'm on form today. You, I, I, you, I'm, you, not I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm knocking him out of the park. Now, what are you calling me? A what-o-sexual? Metrosexual oh. domestic god that you are. Oh, you will probably that. My wife's just give falling off a chair <laughs> laughing. What have you got? What do you want to know? <laughs> anyway, how I have put on um, a sheet back onto my daughter's bed today, and mm. I washed it for the first time. It's a fitted sheet with a very high thread count. Yes. And um, it has shrunk a bit, which is actually good because it was a bit too big. Right. Um... I don't really want it to shrink again, because no. then it would be a bit too small. So my question is, when you shrink something in the tumble dryer, does it only shrink the once, or is there future shrinkage? If you keep the, te- so at the same temperature, obviously, you're not going to stick it in much. Does it shrink in the tumble dryer? Does it all shrink in the washing machine? I don't think it's shrunk in the washing machine, because I've, I've got another one upstairs, and I haven't tumble dried that. and that's, that's So fabric washing. shrinks once... And you repeat the washing process identically, will it shrink again? Yes, please. I like that. I like a high thread count. How high is the thread count? It's very high. How it's high? 600, and I feel oh, rather proud of that. Shut the front door. You've got a yeah. 600 thread count sheet? Yeah. Check me out. I have, and I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> TK Maxx is very good for fitted sheets, you know. Oh, well, you, you I didn't s- get mine. No, I know you didn't. I'm, I can I tell you. I bought mine online from a saying, very special shop. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Is it Egyptian <laughs> cotton? It is. Egyptian cotton six. Oh, crikey, Tanya. That is some sheeting you've I got know. there. Yeah, tell you what, what's it, it wasted on, on the do- What's it doing on your daughter's bed, eh? Well, I had tried it out on my own bed upstairs, and yeah. I said, feel that. Have a feel of that. And she ran her legs. She said, oh, mummy, it's lovely. I said, I know. Do you want one? <laughs> and she gave me that look. And so, uh, mummy, daughter gets what she wants, you oh, see. happy day. Sounds like my house. <laughs> Tanya, I shall do my damnedest to get you an answer. 600 thread count, eh? 12.41 is the time. Will it shrink any further? Yeah, I don't know. Let's find out. Melvin's in Croydon. Melvin, question or answer? Hi, James. Uh, it's an answer. Bring it on. Okay, so the USB sticks. Yes, do they um, perish or corrupt? Do they do they fail? They do, um, but it's not to do with uh, lifetime. It's to do with the amount of uses. So the more you use it, the more likely it is to fail. And the reason for that is it works on electrical charges. So every time you save data or uh, copy data, it runs an electrical charge to it, and the memory cells in it get a little bit weaker over time. So, yeah, the more you use it, the more likely it is to fail. But they reckon a standard USB stick probably lasts about 10 years and 100,000 read-writes. And that would also apply to a hard disk as opposed to a removable disk, a flash memory? um, It does, but uh, a hard disk dies a lot quicker because it has a spinning platter a bit like a record player. You're on. I like it. Qualifications, Melvin? Uh, probably been playing with computers for about 20 years. What's your What's your greatest <laughs> achievement? Oh, my greatest achievement? What, with computers? Well, I mean, we could be here a while if we broaden it out. <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I probably, I've, I've set up the first 
Windows 10 network in the country for a school, and it got some recognition from Microsoft, so I was a bit happy about Get that. In. You see, I had a feeling there'd be something there. I had a feeling it was worth asking that question. But, of course, your greatest achievement now is this. Mile, thank you. <laughs> 43 is the time. Joanne's been in touch via Twitter to say, I was really looking forward to tweeting that Mystery Hour had not made me laugh this week, but it just did, and I'm ashamed to say it was your pacemaker gag. You see? Something for everybody. Katie's in Whitney in Oxfordshire. Katie, question or answer? It's a question, please, James. Carry on. Why can't you pickle yourself? Oh, this is a bit of a hardy perennial. Don't say I've forgotten the answer to this one. Oh, no, I did check on the website as well. And is it not there? In the archive. No, it's Nothing not. at all? Nothing. Okay. Is it is it just that you can't take yourself by surprise? So you, know, you so your brain knows before it happens that it's happening. Yeah, but if someone's tickling you or you're tickling someone, they know they're about to be tickled. If I tickle my body, no, you don't know. You don't because it, the part of it is the pretending you're you're about to tickle and then not. Do you see what I mean? And and then the thought of tickling, no. No, I don't agree. No, because we were in the middle of a tickle fight. And so he knew I was going to tickle him. Yeah, but he didn't know he precisely how and when. He didn't know precisely in the same way that if you were tickling okay. yourself. No, I, I don't buy that answer, I'm afraid. What? I, I mean, but what if it's right? What are you going to do then? <laughs> You'll hate to spoil your winning streak today. Well, I am on a bit of a roll. But no, OK, yeah. I'll leave that up. That's where Professor Hall, I, I bet he's kicking himself now. Anyone could have done the metal question, but he, he, who's going to be able to do the tickle? I shall try to find out for you, Katie. Thank you. And, and, of course, what you have given me by... Can you work out... Have you been paying attention today? Have you listened to the whole programme, or have you just come in for the laughs and giggles on Mystery Hour? No, 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 the whole thing. Right, now, you are in Whitney. How am I going to use your geographical location to do my good friend Ian Dale a little favour? Oh, is this going to be something to do with David Cameron being on. on the show? Yeah, well, yes. Why? Why? How? Join the dots for us? Because uh, he's my MP. See? So... Katie's MP in Whitney in Oxfordshire, David Cameron, the current Prime Minister, will be live, or, or actually not live, will be with Ian Dale shortly after five on LBC later today. How about that, Katie? Two birds with one stone. Oh, great segue. We'll try and get you an answer as well. Great segue, 12.45. From the LBC. LBC. 12.49 is the time you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. We've done almost all of them this week. We just need to know whether... It might be linked to the fabric. So Tanya was talking about cotton. If you're just joining us, this isn't going to sound like the most exciting thing that's ever happened on the radio, but you must trust me if you are just joining us. Today's podcast, especially the first hour, actually, and the second hour, but the first hour just, just blew me away. You, you absolutely must listen to that if you can. Sonia's Call, which began the show, is now available on online. You can find it at the LBC website. I shall tweet it after the programme. Why are baby pandas so small? Uh... Why do children open their mouths when they're catching balls? And why do, if your cotton has shrunk once in the wash, if you wash it again, will it shrink again? If you wash it identically? We've done the metals, we've done the stomach drop, we've done Lewis's stupid question about toiletries. Scott is in Milton Keynes. Scott, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on, mate. Um, right, one thing I've never quite understood is, let's, I'm going to use chicken as an example. When you want to cook chicken that you've got out of the freezer, you have to defrost it first, Correct. Usually, yes. When you, can, you, cook you, can cook, uh, you, you can cook things like a chicken Kiev from Frozen sometimes. Because it's already cooked, maybe? Yeah, probably. Right, so raw chicken. Yeah. So, but if you were to just put it in the oven, it yeah. will defrost. So why do you have to let it defrost first when it's going to defrost anyway while you're cooking it? Is it not just being better safe than sorry? I don't, I don't get it. Well, it, it, if it's just water, 
It's just water frozen. I think you can cook a chicken from frozen. I think you can cook a roast chicken. You can roast a chicken from frozen. But in terms of cooking instructions, it just makes it too variable because you can freeze at so many different levels. You know how, how your freezer has different drawers. The top shelf of your freezer is colder than the bottom shelf. But there's some foods they they tell you not to eat until you've defrosted it because it will make you ill. Be- Why will it make you ill? Because if it because if you undercook it, it will make you ill, and they can't give you the precise cooking instructions if it's frozen because they don't know how frozen it is. I'm going all in on this, Scott. <laughs> That's actually a good answer. It's the answer. I never thought. Right. Because okay. you can cook a frozen chicken. But they will not know. But but they can't put on it the correct yeah. cooking instructions because they don't know how frozen it is. Okay, I've got it. Yeah. Thanks, James. Get in. <laughs> Mike's in Mayfair. Mike, question or answer? Answer, James. Carry on, Mike. It's about the kids opening their mouth when they're catching the ball. Oh yeah. I believe that it's because if you're catching a ball, you look up and it pulls on the muscles and stuff in your jaw. And it um, opens your mouth. Do you know, I'd love to hear from someone who has just noticed someone else doing what they were doing. They've just looked up now, sitting on... The problem is you'd have to be in the the office. You probably wouldn't do it while you were driving. If you were stuck in... Me and my very muscular friend Johnny have been doing it for the last five minutes as well. So you look like a pair of goldfish. (laughs) A pair of goldfish wandering around. (laughs) I I don't think that's true. Why why would it only apply to children? Yeah, plus to adults as well, evidently. No, but the the question was only about... That was only about... Everyone's doing it in the in the studio now. Is anyone's mouth actually opening, or are you deliberately keeping it? Cl- <laughs> yeah, but you're aware of it. No, I'm not having it, Mike. Sorry. I've got another answer because I thought you'd shoot me down. Yeah, go on then. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll take it. What? So the same question? Yeah. Yeah, carry on then. You it's can have another go. Based on what that that guy said about the adrenal glands in the fight or flight, maybe it's an anticipation of something going wrong, so you're getting ready. I quite like that as well. I can't give you a round of applause, but I do. I admire your effort. Oh, come on, James. We've always got an so well in the past. <laughs> it's like you, when women do their eyes, when they put their mascara on, they open their eyes. I think it's got more to do with concentrating. It's like sticking your tongue out when you're threading a needle. Well, it keeps you stiller. It keeps course. you stiller. I don't <laughs> know why, but I'm not. I'm not. So my, my, what's your, what, well, look, best regards to you and to, to Muscular Johnny, but there's no. Uh, that's not his real nickname, is it? No, I can't repeat that on your show. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as well the clock is ticking. Might have a round of applause for being a good sport. But not for getting it right. You'll have to save that for another day. Steve is in South Kensington. Question or answer, Steve? Uh, answer regarding uh, pandas. Why, why are baby pandas so small? Oh, well, it has to do with the food that pandas eat, uh, bamboo. And it's uh, got so little nutrition that um, if uh, pandas had big babies... Uh, they wouldn't. It would take too much strain for the moms to uh, feed the babies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, so, so it, 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 that's a better answer than mine. I thought that the, that the evolutionary explanation would be that tiny babies were easier to protect for the mums. But your evolutionary explanation is that the diet has determined the. What about the size of brain? Has that got anything to do with it? I wouldn't know. I mean, uh, I think it's more of the food and what it would take to take care of the young. So I think it's to protect the mom. I don't know how big uh, brains of pandas are. Well, smaller than humans. Otherwise, they wouldn't just eat bamboo. 
you're not just being um, have egotistical there, are you? Well, as a human, I'm always egotistical, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but usually it's a little bit more specific to me than just being a member of the human race. What are your qualifications, Steve? Uh, a little bit of knowledge about bamboo. Unfortunately, it's uh, mostly conjecture, so... Uh, I wish I had more qualifications to make no, it. But, no, but, but you couldn't. They, they couldn't gestate even a bigger baby without having more nourishment in the womb. I like your answer. Thank I wish you. you hadn't said conjecture, though. That just undermines your authoritative air. You have a very authoritative I know, I know. air. I know you want all the experts online, but uh, I didn't want to lie to you. What do you reckon? Round of applause for Steve. I'm liking it. It's got to be right. It's Occam's razor. It's the best available explanation. Yeah, you're on, Steve. Well done. Thank you. Thank no, you. thank you. And I guess David doesn't have to send me a postal order for £2.75, does he? Because was, was that the caller that I said had to pay me if it turned out that I was right? I think that makes more sense than my theory of, of it being easier to hide a baby panda from a predator if it's only uh, five ounces. You could just put it in your panda pocket. Matt's in Leatherhead. Matt, question or answer? It's an answer, James, to the cotton shrinking. Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's, God, what it's a time to be alive. What a time to be alive, eh, Matt? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's exciting, isn't what it? What did you it's do today? Exciting. I rang the radio. I rang the radio to talk about cotton <laughs> It's Tanya in Stainsworth. The quality sport. of the show is about to take another leap <laughs> uh, to, a, to a big award. Isn't it just? Um, so, <laughs> so it's to do with, like, moisture content. Like, if you leave cotton in a drawer for a long time, it actually will just shrink because the moisture, it will lose moisture. So if you put... You know, you put your pants in a tumble dryer and, and, and basically leave them in too long or they will shrink to the point where there's no moisture left in it for them to contract anymore. Yes. Um, so, you know, if you've ever gone to put something on, you thought, well, that fitted me a year ago. We haven't worn it for a year. It might not be you're just eating too many kebabs. It might just have actually shrunk. It's dried out. And you're the same size. But that's good news for a lot of people. It, it is. It's, in terms of Tanya's sheet, if it shrunk the first time she washed it, it, it won't then shrink, shrink the next time if she washes it under identical no. conditions. No, it won't, it, won't, it won't shrink anymore if, she, if, if the moisture has evaporated to a point that there's none left to evaporate. The first time round. So, so just don't, maybe if she left it in for the tumble dryer, in the tumble dryer for even long... No, because... Well, but anyway, if she does it all identically, she'll be all right with her 600... It wouldn't, it wouldn't, keep, it wouldn't keep shrinking. You know, like, get a wall jumper. Like, if you've ever, if you've ever done that to overwash the wall jumper... Yeah, or, 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 or your husband's best cashmere jumper as well would fit into that category, which you were specifically asked by your husband not to wash and which shrunk to the size where it would fit a Cindy doll, for example, just off the top of my head, wife. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But lucky, you know, you're a very forgiving man. I am, yeah. I'm not. I just Only to her face. I just harbour resentments and bitternesses you in don't, private. You don't hold grudges. It's a good job I don't share them with anyone else. That would just be embarrassing. What are your qualifications, Matt? Remind me. Um, I have a degree in uh, cottonology. <laughs> no, seriously, cotton though. Shrinking. No, seriously, though. No. No, nothing. I, actually, I did hear only last week that fact about cotton shrinking in a drawer. So I kind of put two and two together based on that, you know, the moisture content of cotton. I never knew that. I found that quite interesting that if you leave something in a drawer, it will just shrink of its own accord. Because of the atmosphere, atmospheric moisture, as it were, or as Scott Balcony has chosen, yeah, to, chosen to describe it, I've pant got, moisture. Pant moisture, yep. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you've got to make sure you have a good pant alternation system. That's sound advice, Matt. Round of applause. Yeah. Well Thank done. you. It is. Dave in Chichester, you're wrong. I might? Yeah. No, I'm never wrong. No, you are. You're wrong. 
No, it's my hat trick. Come on. No, well, I, OK, but my answer to you will simply be cook it for longer on a lower heat. Now tell me what you wanted to say. Uh, you can't do that. It will still burn on the outside. No, it won't. No, it won't. Yes, it will. You can cook a chicken from frozen. Listen, you don't know. I am listening. I, I, I am listening. I do all the cooking in my house. I, I promise you, that's what it is. No, anyway, I can't stop. I've got to go. Sheila Fogarty's got a show to present. Thank you very much, Dave. That was an excellent mystery hour, everybody. We'll do it all again tomorrow morning from 10. I'm James O'Brien. Here's Sheila Fogarty. Thanks very much, James. Uh, from three, I want to talk about what the